Welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonholm and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Isaiah 31 verse 4, when you've got it, can I have a good amen? But this is what the Lord has told me. Everyone say that phrase, told me. Those two words. This is what the Lord has told me. Oh, come on now. We just practiced it. This is what the Lord has told me. On this side. This side's very boring over here. It's supposed to be the young side. It's supposed to be the energetic side. But this is what the Lord has oh, Come on, Danny and Carla. You're the youngest there. You're supposed to be setting the pace. This is what the Lord has told me. Personal word. Something that is specific. Come on, church. Something that is specific from God, not just for the crowd. Come on. Something that the Lord has told me. Oh, come on now. Black church people. This is what the Lord has not the person next to you, not the person behind you. God has a word for you. This is what the Lord has told me. As a lion or a young lion growls over his prey, and when a band of shepherds is called out against him, he is not terrified by their shouting or daunted at their noise. So the Lord of hosts will come down to fight on Mount Zion and on its hill. Verse 5. The Lord of heaven's armies will hover over Jerusalem and protect it like a bird protecting its nest. He will defend and save the city. He will pass over it and rescue it. Let me read to you, I'll read over you this morning, Psalm 34 verse 8, which says, Oh, taste and see. Oh, here's a good one, church. Oh, taste. Come on, we sang about the goodness of God this morning. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. One of the great joys of Bible reading is that the Word of God has the power to meet and combat any situation that we may be facing in our lives. Whether you need guidance, whether you need advice, whether you need assurance, the Word of God, the Bible, God has a Word for you to give you direction, to provide you with strength, And the Word also shows us the awesomeness of our incredible God. I thank God for His Word. One of the things that I love about the Word of God is that the Word of God, it's not just pages or words, I should say, on the pages of a book. The Bible tells us that the Word of God is living and it is powerful. That is, it's alive. It's been breathe upon by God. And when we read our Bibles, the Bible has the power to supernaturally heal. The the Bible has the power to supernaturally deliver. In fact, the Bible tells us that He sent His Word and His Word healed my disease. There is healing in the Word of God. One of the things I love is when I'm going through a time of difficulty or trying to figure out life circumstances that I can open up the book of Psalms. And there are people in the book of Psalms who perhaps have grieved the way that I have grieved, have felt directionless in the way that I have felt directionless. But when I open up my Bible, something from the book of Psalms stirs in my spirit. One of the things that I love about Bible reading is when you're reading the Word and You're following uh, the church Bible reading plan or some of you have a devotional book that you add along with that. And as you're reading the Word, something from the Word of God pops and something from the Word of God comes alive 
And it's not just a general word, the written word becomes the living word. And that living word begins to stir in your spirit. You've not just heard the word of God, but you've really heard a word from God. And something of the word of God becomes alive in your spirit. And all of a sudden, the words on the pages of the Bible seem to become vibrant. There's an energy that's provided. There's a sense of significance about those words that have penetrated your soul. And it's almost like a pop in your spirit. And the Word of God seems to break through circumstance. And the Word of God seems to break through situation as we listen, as we read, as we absorb. And the Word of God is assimilated into our lives. One of the earliest experiences I had with the Word of God coming alive in me was when I was a teenager and I was starting to misbehave. And in the West Australian, I grew up in Perth, uh, every week on a sad day in the West Australian, uh, they used to put a Bible verse in there. And so my mum used to read the West Australian and she cut out this particular verse and she put it up on the fridge And it simply was from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, which says, evil company corrupts good habits or evil company corrupts good character. And so my mum got the magnet and she put it up on the fridge. And every time I went to make my wheat bix in the morning, guess what I was reading? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, evil company corrupts good habits. And all through my teenage years, that verse seemed to stick with me. Every time I wanted to kind of go down the garden path, I would remember 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. Evil company corrupts good habits. I have to say that that one verse that my mum stuck on the fridge all those years ago, it stuck with me. It was alive in my spirit. It wasn't just words that were from a newspaper. It was the living Word of God. It was God Himself speaking to me that I needed to be aware of who I spent my time with because evil company corrupts good character, corrupts good habits. Recently, when I went to Papua New Guinea, I was reminded by the Holy Spirit as I was on a plane going over there to Papua New Guinea about the first time I ever preached in Papua New Guinea. I was about uh, 28 years of age when I was first invited over there. I was invited to preach at a national youth conference. So I go over to Papua New Guinea. I've obviously never been there. It's not one of those countries that a person would regularly visit or um, plan on visiting. Uh, But as I went over there, uh, I remember sitting on the plane and and I was asking God for a word. I was reading my Bible. I was on this propeller aeroplane flying from Cairns to Port Moresby. And as I'm sitting on the plane, uh, I was reading through the, the book of Acts. And Acts chapter 10 verse 38 began to just come alive. And the more I read it, it wasn't just words on a page. This was a word from God to me. And Acts chapter 10 verse 38 said, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good and healing all those that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And the more I read that one verse, the written word started to become the living word. It started to penetrate my spirit. It started to enter my soul. I savoured it. I swallowed it. I digested it. And all of a sudden, these words and this word from God started to assimilate into my being. And I knew that God had anointed me for such a time as this, healing all those that who were oppressed by the devil. Why? Because God was with him. And so I go to Papua New Guinea and I land in Port Moresby and 
The next plane I had to catch was a place uh, called Weewak. Now, Weewak is in the north of Papua New Guinea, and uh, you're kind of, you know, hitting the real outskirts out there. And I jump on the plane, um, I get to Weewak, and again, this word is just alive in my spirit, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And I go and preach on the first night of this national youth conference. Uh, in Papua New Guinea, generally, you preach in open fields. They have churches, uh, but they also have open field crusades. And I remember as a teenager, always dreaming that one day I would preach in an open field and do a crusade. And as I'm getting ready to preach this word, Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it's alive in my spirit. God had anointed me to heal all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. It was more real to me than what I was seeing. It was more real to me than circumstance. It was more real than anything that was going on around me. God had anointed me for such a time as this. As I was digesting this word, and you know, Papua New Guinea, uh, many of the places that you go and preach, it's still one of those scenarios where the pastors sit up on the stage. And so who remembers 80s Assemblies of God? And so I'm sitting up on the stage, I've got a seat there, and this word is just stirring in my spirit. And all of a sudden, as the praise and worship begins, this crowd begins to grow, and these young people from all over Papua New Guinea. And on the first night, we had 2,000 young people that were there. And as I'm getting ready to preach, again, Acts chapter 10, verse 38, and then I notice, as I'm getting ready to preach, that a whole bunch of witch doctors rock up to the meeting. And they start planting some kind of poles with, I don't know, just stuff around it. And they start planting it around the grounds of where I was about to preach. And you know what I did? I went to the Word that God had spoken to me. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And the Spirit of God speaks to me while I'm preaching. And the Holy Spirit says, can you believe that tomorrow night that this crowd will go from 2,000 to 4,000? Acts chapter 10 verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And I said, God, if you're with me, as Acts chapter 10 verse 38 says, anything can happen. The next night, 4,000. The Holy Spirit speaks to me while I'm preaching and says, can you believe that tomorrow night that this crowd will grow again by another 2,000? Acts chapter 10 verse 38. God, you said it. You told me that you had anointed me. You are with me. The Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. Next night, 6,000. Spirit of God speaks to me while I'm preaching and says, can you believe that this crowd will grow again by another 2,000? Next night, 8,000. Next night, 10,000. Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, I was preaching a lot by the way. Can you believe that the crowd will grow again? Yes, Holy Spirit. Next night, 14,000. Next night, 16,000. Next night, 20,000 people on an oval encountering the power and the presence of God. The Spirit of God speaks to me on the last night and says, you need to lead these people in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the evidence of speaking in tongues. And so I preach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I ask the crowd, I said, if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I want you to come down the front. And in front of me stood about Two to 3,000 people who wanted the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good 
healing all who were pressed by the devil, for God was with him. And I asked those people who had come down the front to lift up their hands towards heaven. And supernaturally, supernaturally, like Acts chapter 2, a mighty rushing wind swept across that field. And I saw hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people spontaneously start speaking in tongues and in the language of the spirit of the supernatural. Why? Because when we hold on to a word from God, God told me. In the Bible, there are two distinct words that I want us to grasp this morning. I'll be preaching on this. My goal by the end of this sermon is that like we read out of the book of Isaiah, God has told me. God has put something in my spirit. The two words that I want to look at today is what we read in our New Testament, the word, word, W-O-R-D. When we see the word, word in the New Testament, it's either the word logos in the Greek or it is the word rhema. Everyone say logos. Everyone say, Rhema. But what I want to preach about today is the Rhema Word of God. Logos, by definition, is the written Word of God. It's when we open up our Bibles and we read, it is the Logos. It is general in nature. But Rhema, on the other hand, Rhema got a definition for you on the screen, is instant, it's personal, it's alive. It is a word directly addressing us in a specific situation. Rhema is a word where, watch this, where it is not just general, it is a word where you can know God experientially. God is meant to be experience. Now watch this. As believers, we face in our lives facts and there are circumstances that surround us, challenges and things that we go through. However, believers are not meant to be moved by facts. We need to understand our legal status. Your legal status is that you are a child of God. Your legal status is that you are a son and a daughter of the king. That is your legal status. But the problem that we have is how does that actually become, watch this, an experiential reality? Because truth is always greater than fact. Now, give me a wave of the hand if you've ever had a supernatural healing. If God supernaturally healed you, I have been supernaturally healed. I experienced the healing power of God in my life. And so there was a fact. My legal status is by his stripes, you were already healed, past tense. That became an experiential reality. And so my heart for you today is that whatever the facts may be, and your understanding that you know God loves you, you know that God's for you, you know that God is not against you, that whatever the fact is, is that it is overridden and supernaturally the truth of the Word of God actually becomes your experiential reality. Rhema. We need a rhema word from God. Something that is instant, something that is personal, something that is alive, something that is addressing you in your specific situation so that you can know God experientially. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are, watch this, they're life. If you get a rhema word from God, the Bible tells us that it is spirit and It has the power 
to produce life. Life in an adverse situation. Life in a circumstance of some sort. A rhema, watch this, that transcends the mundane and opens up the floodgates of revelation, moving you from the ordinary, propelling you into the supernatural so that the truth of the Word of God actually becomes an experiential reality. Now often, when we read our Bibles, we must discern the difference between what is Logos and what is Rhema. We must understand that one of God's primary methods for speaking to us, and in fact it's how Jesus said He would build His church, that He would build His church on this rock. What is this rock? The rock is revelation. And we miss out on the purposes of God, church, if we are not receiving revelation from God, not just Logos. Now we need Logos. Can't just be searching in the clouds for revelation all day, every day. We need the written Word of God. However, we need the written Word of God to become the living Word, where it is a Word not just for the crowd, It's a word not just for a people group. It is a word that comes from the word that is personal, alive, and it is instant, and it produces something of spirit in you. We need a rhema word. Now, many of the verses that we quote, I want to go through some of them today. And I want you to see that when we quote these verses, that the word that's actually being used there is not Logos. The word that's actually being used there is the word Rhema. So let's have a look. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then, faith comes by how? Hearing. We will not be a people of faith unless we are hearing. Watch this. And hearing by The rhema of God. Faith does not come simply because you read 96 chapters this coming week. (laughs) That's a good start. And well done if you have that level of discipline of the reading of, of the Word of God in your life. But it's not just having the Word that produces faith. It is rhema. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the rhema of God. Something that's for you. Something that the Spirit of God speaks to you out of His Word that is specific for you, your family, your marriage, your situation, your health, your finances. God has a rhema for you. And watch this. Faith The only real definition of faith that we have in the Bible is this. Faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of something that you do not see. Because the seed of the rhema of God, when it comes into your spirit, the Bible says that that is in actual fact evidence. But we look for evidence in the things that we see. And the Bible tells us that we are to walk by faith and not by sight. That is, I have received a rhema from God. We need rhema. We need a word from God that's for you, not the person next to you as as lovely as they are today. You need a rhema from God. Here's a word for someone about your workplace. And what you are currently going through in your workplace. God has, come on, a rhema for you. That is, He has a word for you. Something that is personal, something that is alive, something that pops, something that produces something of the supernatural. We also see it in Luke chapter 5 verse 5. When the disciples had fished all night and they had caught nothing. Ever had a season in your life 
where you've worked hard, you're a little bit exhausted, <laughs> a bit fatigued, and, and you're wondering, God, how am I going to get through this? Well, you know the story, Luke chapter 5, verse 5. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we toiled, <laughs> we fished all night and caught nothing. Now watch this, you can work in the kingdom, you can work in your work, and when you have a fruitless labour for your efforts, there is a level of exhaustion that can come. However, watch this, God has a rhema for you. Jesus then says, nevertheless, at your what? Come on. Nevertheless, at your word. Nevertheless, at your rhema. Something that you've spoken into, into my fruitless efforts. I've worked all night. <laughs> We're fatigued. I mean, some of you in your life's journey somewhere, you've, you've worked all night. You know what it's like to start at 9pm and finish at 7am, like an all night prayer meeting. <laughs> Thank God for coffee. But when you've worked all night and caught nothing, in the middle of it, God comes along and He says, I have a rhema. I have a word, not for the crowd. Come on, this sermon is not for the person next to you today. This person is not for the person in, in front of you or behind you. This rhema, church, is for you. Remember the original verse that we read out of Isaiah? God told me. He has a word for you. We destroy the power of darkness with rhema. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Come on. How's the sword of the Spirit? Come on, who remembers last week's sermon? Get a grip. <laughs> How are we to use the sword of the Spirit? Which is the rhema of God, not Logos. It's a revelation that God took from Logos. That word is for me. Some of you have experienced Logos and you know what it's like to read, read, read and, and not get anywhere. But my prayer for you in 2024 is that Logos would move from just being words on a page because watch this, you can know much and taste little. But my heart for you is that you would know much and taste a lot. We want a taste of the good. We want this church to be an experiential reality in our lives. We take the rhema of God, which is the sword of the spirit. The devil comes against you says this about your past, says that about your marriage, says that about your health, uh, that thing that should have worked out a little bit better. The Bible tells us that he is, watch this, the accuser of the brethren. And Satan's greatest tool against the people of God is the spirit of condemnation. He loves to condemn the people of God. But the sword of the spirit, which is the word, which is the rhema, which is the alive word that God has given to me. Some of you have had rhemas over the years, but you've let it go. You've let it park, you've let it sit. Come on, it's time to redig that well. Come on, the child is not dead, but sleeping. You need to cause that thing to come up. You need to water, come on church, the seed of the Word of God. Go back to the psalm. <laughs> Go back to that scripture that belongs to nobody else in this room, but it belongs to you. Go back to that verse that nobody else can have in this room except for you. Why? Because God gave it to you. You will not die. Come on, this is a word for someone. You will not die. You will live. God gave you a promise from His Word that you will have a healthy, long... In fact, there are people in the room today because of your own family circumstance of others 
who have died early that the devil has put that seed in your heart that that'll be you. We reject that today with the sword of the Spirit. You are greatly blessed. Come on. You are highly favoured. You are deeply loved. Come on. You are protected by the blood of Jesus. You have a rhema. The devil hates rhema words because if you think about it, there are lots of people around the globe who are reading, 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 but is it producing any change? There are lots who have much but have tasted little. What I'm talking about is tasting, experiencing a rhema. Come on church, a, a word from God that nobody else can have. Why? It's mine. Don't touch that psalm. God gave it to me. Come on. Do you have a verse like that? Come on. Do you have a passage like that? That's mine. We see it again. Come on. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Jesus speaking. He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every, come on, not Logos. Watch this. It's not Logos. Every rhema, every word. How do we live? The Bible says you are to live by rhema. That's your sustenance. That's your strength. Come on, that's your encouragement. That's your life. That's your peace. That's your joy. Because I have received. Come on. I, me, God told me. I have received a word, a rhema from God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rhema. Come on, church. Every rhema that comes from where? The mouth of God. This revelation that I'm speaking about, church, it's, it's indispensable. There are things in life which are dispensable. You could lose your iPad. You can still live. <laughs> you could lose your phone. Some of you may be in the fetal position, <laughs> but you'd still live, right? <laughs> uh, you could lose your car. Now, pray that doesn't happen. Yeah, none of those things happen to you. <laughs> but you'll still live. Take away air. Take away food. Take away water. We're all in trouble. Revelation Church, there are things which are dispensable. Watch this, but there are things which are indispensable. Jesus said that we cannot live by bread alone, but by what? Every rhema. That's your nourishment, young person. That's your nourishment, grandparents, of the promise that God gave to you for your grandchildren. That's your source of strength. Why? It is indispensable. I want you to grasp today how indispensable Rhema actually is. I want us to move away from today thinking, my Bible reading plan, ooh, I ticked the box. All the achievers said, amen, I'm one of them. <laughs> I did it. Good. But what did we hear? Uh, what, what? Come on, church. What penetrated your spirit? What actually got into your soul? What was the rhema that came from God? Amen. Samuel, little boy Samuel. Watch this. Three times he heard from God, but he could not discern that it was God's voice. We got to be careful of staying as infants church where we hear, but we don't hear. Because Samuel thought it was the voice of Eli. And this culture that we live in, we're hearing, but there's so many weapons of mass distraction. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> weapons of mass distraction. We cannot, as the body of Christ, stay as infants yes. where God is speaking. Is that you, Eli? Is it my wife? Is it the TV? 
Is it my phone ringing? I cannot discern. There's distraction going on all around us. We need to be a people, church, come on, who know Rhema. You doing okay? You getting something out of this today? Psalm, one of my favourite psalms, and I have to say, you can't have this psalm. This belongs to me, all right? Amen. If two or more agree as touching anything, shall be done by my Father in heaven. Can I have an agreement with someone this morning? No one. <laughs> psalm, watch this, one verse one. Blessed. Not, not just go well, not just you beauty. <laughs> the Bible says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the, or stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Now here's my verse. But his delight, come on, watch this. Now, you've got you to see this. His delight, not his chore, not his tick the box on the Bible reading plan. Keep Joyce Meyer happy. Amen. His delight, watch this, it has to be a delight because what you delight in, you pursue. You have a favourite coffee shop. Why? Delights you. (laughs) It's like, I'm going there again. Guess where you're going tomorrow? There. Why? But the bad one, the one that's like, okay, I've just drunk some acid this morning. (laughs) You ain't going there. It's of no, you must delight. Come on. There is a delight, church. Come on now. I'm preaching about three people. There is a delight in the Word. Now watch this. How did this man delight in the Word? How did he receive rhema? How did he express? Blessed is the man. What did he do? The Bible tells us, watch this. He meditated. The devil has stolen the word meditation. Sucking on lemons, you all suck, sit, sit over there, feet crossed. Mm. It is a word, come on, that has actually been corrupted. But meditation belongs, church, to the people of God. It is the Hebrew word Hagar. H-A-G-A-H. Come on, stay with me now. He, he delighted in the Word. How did He do it? By meditation. Now, before I move on from Psalm 1, I just need to say this. Watch how He meditates. Come on now. He meditates how? Day and night. Day and night. It does not mean that this brother, man, he's like committed to his Bible he started at 6 a.m. His wife's like, I need you to take the kids to school. No, I mean, I, it said, the word says day and night. I've got to read it the whole day. <laughs> what it's talking about is two extremities, day and night. That is in the course, watch this, of daily activity, you can be meditating. You can be driving in your car. You can meditate. You can be dropping the kids at school. Hopefully they're well behaved in the car. You can be meditating on, come on church, the Word. Meditate on it. Let's keep going. Now, this word meditation, the the, uh, English Standard Version Study Bible gives us a really good definition of the word meditation. Do you want to hear it this morning? Meditation, meditates, describes, watch this, an active pondering. It's an active pondering, perhaps even muttering to oneself in pursuit of insight. I'm a meditator. And in fact, I can be at home and I'm like, muttering. And the kids laugh at me, Wade and Tori and Alison, because they're like, he's talking to himself again. <laughs> Some of you are like, I'm very worried for you, Pastor Brad. <laughs> but the, the word meditation that's actually used there, watch this, it means to mutter. You can mutter the Word of God. It also means imagination. You take the Word 
and you imagine, come on church, you imagine, imagine, imagination is not of the devil. Imagination came from God. Watch this. God speaks to Joshua and says to him, see, he hadn't conquered the walls of Jericho. Joshua chapter 6 verse 1. See, comma, I have given Jericho into your hands. See, imagine it. Imagine the word. Imagine the fulfillment of that word. Imagine what it's like to be married. Amen. Imagine, hey, come on, here's a word for someone. Imagine what it's like to be healthy. Imagine what it's like to be a person of, imagine, imagine what it would be like to live without depression. Imagine what it would be like to live without anxiety. Imagine, grab the word, meditate, mutter it, speak it, declare it. Come on now, church. Imagine the word of God in reality. Now, let's go back to our original passage, which was found in the book of Isaiah. You doing okay today? I'm actually enjoying myself. <laughs> Isaiah, watch this, 31 verse 4. Come on online, stay with me now. Isaiah 31 verse 4. For thus the Lord said to me, it's a word that God gave to me, as a lion or a, oh here we go now, don't miss this, as a lion or a young lion growls. Interestingly, the same Hebrew word for meditation is used here for the word growl. Mutter, imagination, watch this, declaration. De and some of your Bibles don't use the word growl, it uses the word roar. Hey, come on, when was the last time you took the rhema and you were like, you, I mean, you can yell it in your car. People think you're just telling someone else off on the phone. Yeah? You, you, you can get away. These days we're talking in your car and people will be like, he's just having a conversation with someone. Come on. He growls. Now, stay with me now. When I was a kid, my parents got this little kind of Maltese Terrier um, mixture dog thingamajig. And I'm telling you, man, this dog was like ferocious. So we said, you know, back then, you'd feed it pal puppy food. Who remembers pal puppy food? This dog, like small, you go near it, put your finger near its bowl when it's eating. I'm telling you, man, you come home, your, your finger's like gonski. You're, you're in, this dog was ferocious. Now we got another dog. We have a, a dog called Bam the Labradoodle. Right? Bam, Bam's a, he's a cool dog. Where's, where's my doggy Bam? That's our dog Bam. Bam, you feed him, you can go and pat him, and his bottom goes like this. He wags his tail. He's like the happiest dog on the planet. My other dog, when I was a kid, a teenager, going near its food, that thing's like finger gone. He was like ferocious. These days you have what's called dog psychologists. <laughs> and dog psychologists say that when a dog growls over their food, what they are doing is what's called resource guarding. So the dog's like, you can do this, you get away with it. But ultimately, the reason why it's growling is because it's saying, this is valuable to me. Do not come near my food. Some of you, you, you gotta get your growl back about your revelation. You gotta get your growl back about your destiny. You gotta get your growl back about the call. You gotta get your growl back about that Psalm that belongs to nobody else in this room. The Lord gave it to you. You gotta get that roar in your spirit and declare what the Word of God says about you. Come on. Let's finish the passage. Isaiah 31 verse 4. So the Lord said to me, as a lion or a young lion, growls, haggah, meditates, imagines, declares in Jesus' name over his prey. 
And when a band of shepherds, watch this, watch this, an attack, come on, don't fall asleep on me now, church. A band of shepherds is called to deal with the situation. Watch what happens. This lion is so like, (laughs) so full on. A band of shepherds is called out against him. He is not terrified. Why? He's got a rhema. He's got a hagger. He's got something that he's muttering. She is muttering. That is a revelation from God for me. Do not touch it. Come on, can you say amen? He's not even daunted by their noise. Why? It's a lie. It's mine. It's my verse over my children. It's my verse over my son that's fallen away from God. It's my verse over my daughter that has moved away from God gave me a promise from His word. Don't come near me, I'll bite your finger off. Amen. Come on church now. You can be a teenager and receive a rhema. You can be a child. Samuel was. God called him. He heard from God. You can be a grandparent, Naomi, and have a rhema. This is not age related. This is not stage related. This is not married, not married, was married. Come on now. The blood of Jesus has washed you. The blood of Jesus has cleansed you. The blood of... If any of us be in Christ, we are new creations. All things have passed away. Oh, God has a rhema. Come on. He has a rhema for you. Pastor Brad, I like your sermon. You've told me that I need to meditate on the Word, but I, I just need a little bit more. You ready? God is calling us, watch this, to unhurried delight. You need an unhurried delight around that verse. You need an unhurried delight around that passage. You need an unhurried delight around that psalm. Watch this. There is what I call a sacred unwind. You need to sacredly in the presence of God unwind from all that's going on. Watch this. What does the Bible say? What does the Word say? What's the rhema from God for my situation? You may say, I don't know if I can receive rhema today. Yes, you can. John chapter 8, verse 47 says, He who is from God, watch this, hears God's words. He who is from God, Hears God's, and the word word that's used there is rhema. He who is from God hears God's rhema. God has a word for you. Come on, anyone need a word today? Anyone need a rhema? Come on, I, I planted, Apollos watered. God will give the increase. Come on, this situation is not set up for your destruction. Watch this, this situation is set up for your revelation. It's not for your destruction. It is for your revelation. A rhema from God. I declare in Jesus' name, anxiety will no longer hold. This is how I fight my battles. It will no longer hold you back. I declare depression is defeated in Jesus' name. For every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I declare that this year will be a year of blessing. Come on. I declare that this year will be a year of favour for you. I declare that you are under the grace of God. I declare your marriage under the grace of God. I declare your children under the grace of God. I declare your grandchildren under the grace of God. You will no longer, oh, here's a word for someone. You will no longer be tormented in the middle of the night. I rebuke that spirit 
in the mighty name. I take authority over the powers of sun. There is an adult in this room who's suffering from nightmares. I break it in Jesus' mighty name. I take authority over that thing. And I declare, watch this, what the Word says. He gives His beloved sleep. Who needs a good sleep? <laughs> Come on, it's a promise. It is a rhema from God for you. This is what I want to pray for this morning. I want to pray for people who need healing. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe that the gifts of the Spirit, for not for a million years ago, the gifts of the Spirit are in operation today. God has healing power for you. Come on, let it get alive. Come on, begin to believe again. Begin. The child is not dead. It's just sleeping. I go so that I can awake him. Come on, I'm awaking something in you today. You are healed in Jesus' name. We're going to worship. I know I've gone over time. I was enjoying the word a little bit too much. Parents with young children, blame Pastor Karen, not me. <laughs> But I love the Word. I love how the Word can change us. I love how the Word can set us free. As we worship, if you need healing in your mind or in your body, or watch this, because this is for someone, even in your soul, God has healing balm for your soul. That's for someone today. God has healing balm for your soul. He's the Good Shepherd. Thanks for listening to this message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.